senorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and stay This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's Kelly Austin, spiritual psychology mentor, intuitive healer, astrologer, Reiki practitioner. I need this in my life. I want to be more spiritual. I feel like my mind won't go there because it never shuts off and I can't meditate and I can't find peace. So Kelly is here to walk me through this. She also happens to be the daughter of Denise Austin, a former Squats and Margaritas guest. She's a former division one college athlete, a fellow firstborn daughter. So much to talk about. Here's my episode with Kelly Austin. How are you? Oh my God. You have the same voice as your mom. (laughs) People tell me that all the time. Exactly the same. (laughs) It's so true, but not the same energy. Not the same. Oh, I just assume. It seems like maybe Katie has the same energy. She does, but what <laughs> my mom has that none of us have is that consistency of that energy. One of the questions I was like, did it ever get like too much to be Denise Austin and have to be on all the time? She's like, that's just who I am. It wasn't being on. Like I'm like that at home with my kids. <laughs> like, oh. it, is, it is so authentic it, <laughs> that or sleep. And there's, <laughs> that's, that's just my mom. I love it. I am so glad that you're here. I found out about you interviewing your mom, Denise Austin, the OG fitness influencer. She was a fitness influencer before that was a thing. And I don't know if you listened to the episode, but I kind of fangirled a couple of times. (laughs) No, I definitely did. (laughs) She was a big deal. And I know. And that's, that's where I wanted to start. Like she was saying that we had a lot in common. We're both firstborn kind of perfectionists. We were division one college athletes. She's like, you need to talk to my daughter and me thinking that we have a lot in common. I wanted to start there as a firstborn driven woman and to have Denise as your mom. Did you ever feel pressure or like you had to live up to the standard that she had set, like in fitness, in fame, like everything about her? Like, was that hard? Well, of course, you know, she's so successful and she just goes after things. And I think that my mom, what her greatest gift is, is she has honestly no fear. She is authentically herself and she goes for things and it does, she doesn't let any, anything hold her back. And that honestly was such a huge inspiration to me. Um, but I do think, you know, being the firstborn, you naturally, kind of go into that role of you want to make your parents proud. You want to succeed. You want, especially having not only my mom, but my dad as well. They both are so successful. True. And I think when you grow up seeing that there was never any pressure that was put from my parents to be like them. But I think that you see that and you just, as a kid, you just want to make them proud. And then having that natural role of the firstborn, you kind of go into this, high achieving perfectionist, like you said, mentality, you know, we're a really athletic family. My mom was a division one athlete. My dad was a division one athlete and professional (laughs) tennis player. So, you know, when I go into athletics, there's also that high level and I think it's more, I was like, okay, well I can do that too. And so I became a really top level, um, lacrosse athlete and also got a division one scholarship at an early age. So I think that you go into those roles of okay, yeah, I can do that and I can excel and I can achieve. And it, it gives you validation, but you know, you go through, you know, I go through college and then, um, go into, you go into your career. And I was, I've been in, I was in music, um, for the last decade, uh, music business. And you kind of bring that with you, like, okay, it's good to stay late and work 10 hour days and go to shows and entertain clients. And that makes you a good music industry or employee. And, you know, I was in that mentality of like, yeah, I can do it. You know, like a, like a good soldier type of mentality. <laughs> um, but I think that what my parents really, um, the gift that they brought to me and raising me is they both had such, um, genuine worth for themselves and just a love for themselves and a love for each other. And they let themselves be completely themselves and they were completely themselves. So while they worked really hard, they also really loved themselves and loved each other. And mm-hmm. I think that is just the perfect combination. That's pretty rare. Growing up, I still don't know the answer to this for me. Like for some reason, soccer 
became my value, my identity. Like you said, it was validation. I don't know when that happened and why it became my identity. But when I lost it, like that transition after sport, like when you went into the music industry, like, yeah, what was that like? Like, first, did you find that lacrosse was your value? Did you, or did you like kind of spread it out? And you, I, I, that was the only thing that mattered to me. And yeah. I, I always think it's because of my personality. Yeah. I, I feel like there could be a multitude of layers, but I feel like we growing up, we really want to define who we are in the world. So you saying I'm Aaron and I am soccer player. I am athlete that becomes that shapes your identity and you're really proud of it because you're really good at it and you should be. And even me, you know, I'm Kelly, I am, I'm athlete. And then I think that that shedding while it feels like really uncomfortable, okay, I'm no longer an athlete anymore. And now I'm launching into this new career or new path. And it, it does, it feels really uncomfortable. I went from, I actually transferred from UVA where I was playing lacrosse to USC to pursue music industry. And, you know, um, some people could viewed it as that I quit that I, you know what I mean? That I was a quitter, but I went to pursue what I actually wanted to do in my life. I really wanted. And of course that has shifted as well, which is, you know, why. (laughs) but, um, but yeah, shedding those layers, it's really uncomfortable, but it's also really beautiful. I got to be Kelly, you know, the, the uh, music business professional. And I just think that there's so much to, to us and we're so complex and we could be so many things that I think the trouble is when we anchor into, you know, I am athlete, I am mother, I am X, Y, Z, it kind of limits us. And it's kind of beautiful to be able to shed those layers of what we think we are. Yeah. We're so many things. I don't, that's why I have a six-year-old daughter and I want to be like, whatever she loves, it can't be the only thing because at some point, if that's gone and you tie yourself into that, you're going to have to be, it looks like you had like a perfect transition. Even if you're not doing the music industry now, I was not able to do that. And I was obsessive and it turned into depression and multiple eating disorders. And I said, like, I, you get it as an athlete, but I was like, when I couldn't go to the athlete building anymore, and I had to just go to the student rec to like work out it, like I, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I went from being an athlete and training the way we trained yes. as, you know, and having to do the run test and having a mile have to be a certain time <laughs> when I went to the gym post being an athlete and I wasn't hitting those times, it was really, really challenging. It oh was God. hard. And I, it, it was layers in time that I had to be like, okay, you don't have to do that anymore. You're no longer an athlete. Um, it was also really freeing too. Kelly, I peed my pants at an orange theory mile run challenge because I had just had a baby and probably should not have been running as fast as I was, but I couldn't not win it. And I knew they were going to put the numbers up on the board. And so I was like, I'm, I, it, I was six months postpartum and they surprise you with it. Like we get to the thing and they're like one mile run. And I was like, I, well, I'm just going to run as fast as I can. My body was like, no, you're not, but I won. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a similar story where I was running on the strand in Manhattan beach and you know, when I used to run, I would get a little competitive with the people next to me. And <laughs> there was a like a man running and I was like, no, I, I have to, I have to beat this guy. I can't let yep. him beat me. All of a sudden we're like looking eye to eye and we're in a full-blown race. And I had to turn a corner at some point to pretend like I, it was my turn. And I was <laughs> and vomited. Like this is, circa, this is like 10 years ago, but that, that competition that yes. is made in athletes And I think that as going into spirituality and things like it's, you're born and bred, like being an athlete. And even in this society and this competition world, you know, when you just drop it and you realize you're doing your best and you don't have to win and you're there to work out, to make yourself feel good. You're there for health, you know, like you, you don't have to win. You don't have to be the best. Um, So I've, that is something I have had to shed as well. Well, that's why you're here. I have not shed it. I'm 40 and I still like, I haven't been back to the gym since COVID, but if I would, I, I still feel that way. I would retake yeah. quizzes that I got a minuses on oh, because you, uh, if you went I back, would, you could take it over. My sisters would be like, why we got to be, why would I go back in? I would do, I would ask teachers if I could do extra work <laughs> to get the A and why? I, why are we like this? Because you know, it's birth order. It has to be. It's so many things. It's definitely includes a birth order, 
But um, for me, when I, when COVID happened and we all went into quarantine, you know, there's nothing that you can really achieve or show. And that is when I just really, really had, I asked myself some of these questions, like what, and it got me into like burnout states, right? Because when you, when you achieve, 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 it's gets you into this overdrive. And when I, when it was a break and I finally slowed down and I asked myself, you know, where is this drive to succeed coming from? Where is this drive to, you have to get all A's. Where is this drive that you have to be the number one recruit in the country in lacrosse? Yep. <laughs> top percent of your graduating class, you know, wh- where is this coming from? And that too. <laughs> yeah. And I had to be really honest and look and ask, are you that, do you view yourself as that successful, you know, person when you're doing nothing, when you're doing absolutely nothing, Mm. what do you feel when you're doing nothing? And do you feel worthy, successful and, you know, deep in meditation, I would ask myself a lot of these questions. And the truth is that I was, and I am. And I think that it really loosened this grip of pressure that we are honestly just putting on ourselves. Cause even my parents, you know, they, they were like, we love you no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're amazing. Um, no matter what it's okay. You right. Know? It's self-imposed. It's, it's self-imposed. like this drive that exactly. And we, and I, you realize it. So was it the pandemic that made this, the shift for you from like the music industry it, to finding this? Oh yeah. It really was. Um, because it was the rest. And I think that we, as well can go into like overproducing mode that like going into like our masculine, like pretty heavily. And I have never felt more in tune with myself in love with life than when I just quieted and rested and honestly was in that like receiving mode. And I'm a very reflective existential person naturally, but I really just didn't allow myself that time to stop and listen. And when you're overworking and, and just always so busy, you really don't have time to listen to that inner voice. And once I did and heard what came through my life shifted dramatically, like I, every, every aspect of my life, like completely changed and up-leveled. I mean, that doesn't mean that there isn't like a struggle and an uncomfortability in that process, mm-hmm. but I, I just felt like at first it was kind of like a spiritual awakening for myself, but then it became, Oh my God, I need to help women find this or, you know, really any people, but I want to share this. I want this for others. I want people to feel this. Um, So I went and then got certified in all the things that gave me inspiration and passion and like made me learn about myself deeper. So that was, um, was really interested in um, Carl Jung's work. So got certified as a Jungian psychology coach and um, Reiki was always really powerful for me. I have this amazing woman, um, which I can give you her contact if you, if you, if you, oh. or me, but um, so I got certified as a Reiki practitioner. And then I also felt like I really had these intuitive gifts that I didn't know how to really access or honor. So I got certified as an intuitive healer and (laughs) um, also astrology. I've always been really interested, but felt like I need to know more. I'm just always been very curious. And when I got deeper into astrology, it unlocked things for me about myself that it was just wild. And it felt like an acknowledgement and also like a permission to like really be who I am. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Be like, this so is I who I am. Look at my, yeah. <laughs> look at my sign. Yeah. yeah. So I'm an astrologer. Um, and I'm still an apprentice with, um, rising woman. Um, and yeah, so I just got certified in all the things that I felt really helped me because I wanted to kind of be a one-stop shop for women, um, to find themselves. And I could intuitively use the tools in my tool belt. Um, yeah. and, Part of it probably is a little bit of that, you know, uh, overachiever coming back in like, okay, I'm going to go get certified. What are you not certified in Kelly? (laughs) (laughs) I keep looking new certifications and I'm like, you have to stop. I don't have that one yet. (laughs) You have to stop. Sign me up. 
<laughs> they're like, I'm Kelly, not- there's no more room on your bio in your website. We, there's no more room. You've used exactly. every title, I'm like not all of them. I get it though. Like yeah. we, what we have in common is we both have this passion for women to find themselves and we share yeah. what yeah. we have learned. I learned it very recently, like 37. And yeah. I feel this profound calling to help the woman that was me 10 years ago, 20 years ago in the struggle. And what we don't have in common is I cannot, you said, you just said it, like you're running around all the time. You don't have time to really go within. I don't think I could like my mind. Mm -hmm. I do have two young kids Yeah, I'm trying to run a brand in COVID, but aside from my, all those excuses, my mind does not turn off. And it, it, like I wrote about that in my book, like I'm go to bed, like mentally penning grocery lists. It never shuts off to the point that my therapist, when I said this, I was like, I don't think I can meditate. And she's like, I actually believe you. Like, how do I quiet my mind? Like, do, is this a problem for people that come to you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I got insane body chills, like painful body chills all over when you were saying that you just had to then go and help people. And that was your calling. Yeah. So I'm even getting chills right now, like talking about it. Um, <laughs> that is so beautiful and amazing that you actually followed it. Cause not yeah. every people get it, but they, those callings and those like whispers, but they don't always follow it or they don't think they're worthy of following it. Or they're like, Oh, that's silly. Um, but you actually did. And I think that's beautiful. So I just, what I want to say about that too, is like, I didn't follow it. Like you did. Like when I I'll be like giving workouts to moms and stuff. And I'm like, you're not a trainer or like meal plan. I'm like, you're not a nutritionist. Like I didn't get certified in anything. I can just share my story and I have to, I have to share it, but I don't have any, my bio doesn't have any of those. (laughs) There's there's, and you know what? We don't need (laughs) you. We're all having a human experience and that's your story holds power. It can help people and women. Yeah. And if your story heals and helps people, you don't need those. No, I have No, I have goosebumps. <laughs> and I think that that imposter syndrome comes up being like, well, who am I to, to tell people, you know, who am I, but yeah, you have that lived experience and that is what helps people. And I even, you know, that comes up for me too, because I'm like, well, you know, I don't have a like psychology PhD, you know, I'm not, I don't have this yet. Um, or maybe I don't have enough experience yet. Um, those voices come up and, um, and we just, they're no match for who we really are and what we're really meant to do is what I tell myself. Yeah. The thing about meditating is I'm, I was smiling while you're, while you're speaking about that, because that was me, you know, in the beginning, Okay. I, Cause I'm a planner, right? Yes. Um, a, I love to plan. But, um, and so I'm always like, okay, well, what am I going to do tomorrow? Okay. I have to do this and this and this and this. And this. I have a but yellow notebook of th- of the days of time yeah. that like planned I, out and I, I need it. Color coordinate my schedule. <laughs> Ooh, next it's level. A I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I'm such a Virgo, but it can be very helpful to be organized. And, you know, it's good to be a mom that's organized and thinks ahead, but, um, it can be limiting too. And your brain can just overthink so many things. And (laughs) I thought, well, I'm, I can't meditate. I used to try and I would get so frustrated. I'd be like, I have all these things to do. This is such a waste of time. time. Yes. It's a waste of time. And I don't know. There's like one saying that's like, if you, if you meditate daily, like meditate for like 30 minutes. And if you think you don't have time, meditate for an hour. And I'm not recommending <laughs> with an hour, but I just realized that in meditation, it's not about, and I think this is just such a misconception that I literally want to scream from the rooftops. Scream it. It's not about <laughs> quieting your mind and like wishing those thoughts away. You know, it's not, oh, I, I can't meditate because like my thoughts are constantly coming. Your thoughts are going to constantly come like that. Oh. Is, that they are going to come. And the way that you can actually meditate in peace and like find that place in yourself is really through observing them. And we hear that all the time, but being a witness to them, because then you get to really know yourself from a place of self-awareness and then you can start really going deeper. So, okay, I'm Aaron. And, um, at night I, I keep the same thing keeps coming up or, (laughs) 
you know, you get to see the consistent themes that keep coming up that you keep thinking about. And it shows you where you can do the work. You know, it shows you where you can really look at yourself and be like, oh, that's so interesting. I really want to plan my days. It's so interesting. I wonder where this is coming from. So really just looking at it from like a detached, like I am not my thoughts kind of perspective. So then you're not judging yourself for having thoughts and having a lot of, you know, the world, there's a lot to juggle. And I think the point is not judging yourself for it. And then I think that you'll find there is this space that you didn't have before. Um, And when you push it away, it's just going to keep coming up. So I think it's really about finding that space and honing in on that. You're making me look at it differently. So I'd be like, when these thoughts are coming in, you're saying like, or I say, I'm always doing grocery lists before bed. It's like, don't not think about that. Think about why am I like, why do I have such a control? Like I can really process why, like go deeper onto that thought, not knock it away. Yeah. And I'm, I've been, I find safety in plans and that is definitely a control piece. And, you know, COVID really, really showed me it blew up all the plans, right? It was like, no, you have no plans. Your whole, no one cares about your plans. No one cares. (laughs) And I've never felt more peace just within myself. Yeah. Um, with all the plans. And I think that the unknown can be like scary. And so I think that there's so much beauty in accepting the unknown and also possibility. We don't see sometimes that like, there's also so much possibility. Um, so I think it's a little bit about reframing. I love Yes. Where does somebody, so like if somebody wanted to be more spiritual or somebody comes to you and they're just like, like me, I'm all over the place. Yeah. Hypervigilant things need to be going all the time. Like I can't go for a run if my dishwasher is not running at the same time. So I feel like I'm crossing off all the things Yeah, Where I would come to you. Like, how do you work with someone? Like, yeah, we well, start? I think that we intellectualize so much or we're so in our head mm-hmm. and it's just, I would say, drop the stories, drop the thoughts and drop into your body because to live from like self-love and authenticity, you, it has to be embodied. Right. So the first step I think, and I would say is to drop into the body. Okay. Where are you feeling that in your body? Is that, that wrestling that I have no time, you know, like, um, where's that in the body? It's probably like a tightness in the chest. Okay. Let's, you know, going into the body first Mm. and use that as a tool to really understand what's going on and kind of loosen that up. So you have a little bit more freedom and it's not about being like, okay, forget all my plans and forget (laughs) all my duties It's about being able to move through them with more ease. Um, so I would start with dropping into the body, dropping the story and dropping into the feeling sensations, right? The things that we, we don't really want to feel go straight towards that. So I would, I would, I would tell you to go to the things that you don't want to feel my guilt for doing this when my kids are young Yeah, and like this, the mom, like one second, one second, all the time to my kids and feeling like I'm not living up to like what I should be doing as a mom of young kids. So I need to like feel the guilt (laughs) before I can move through it. And then, and then nurture the guilt. And make you feel like it's okay because you're doing your best with what you had at the time. I never feel that I'm doing my best. I always feel like I could be doing something better. It's like I hold myself to an impossibly high standard so that I'll never hit it. So that I'll always feel like, oh, like at the end of the day, killed it. We had a great interview today. Um, I posted a new episode. I'll like work wise, great. Didn't spend enough time with my kids. Or yesterday, I truly spent all the day with my kids and I like didn't do anything work wise. So it's like, I never give my, I, I need to give myself grace. I feel, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I have a yeah. hard time. <laughs> again. Yeah. You can't do it all every day. And you have to, you know, and I would also say set like tangible goals for yourself, you know, and really just honor yourself for the things that you did do really good. Okay. You were with your kids all day. That's beautiful. Okay. You did a killer podcast. Like that's awesome for your business. Um, so really just honoring yourself for the things that you do do. And then I think that once again, it creates more space for you to let go of some of that pressure, you know, um, people like me that are feel like they just can't like tap into their 
what is inner monologue? I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. Where does someone start to like, do you just, do you turn off, you do listen to meditative music? Like how do you quiet your mind or just even, how do you meditate? Like, how do you walk through somebody's first meditation? Everyone can also meditate differently, right? So I think that I, as a young child, got so into music because that was my way of getting into my meditative state and my meditative flow. And now I, I, I have practices that I go in like a lot deeper and a lot more intentionally, but I think that we don't have to put such a pressure on sit down and quiet your mind. And I think that really spirituality to me is really just finding who you are, like the depth of who you are more and coming into your essence. So I would say to start, I would say, what do you do when you feel good? You know, for me, I love to sing. So I am like in my essence when I'm singing or I love to rollerblade, you know, like that, or what do you love? Who do you love? Um, just focusing on that to like tap, to open up space and tap into, you know, the beauty of who you are and having that grow. So there's more space to explore. Um, I would say that would be a good place to start. What about like, um, do you know, Gabby Bernstein, like mm, the universe yeah, has, your, I well, I'm speaking with her. I don't know when this is going to oh air, my God. Incredible. But it's coming out. Well, like she's the headliner. I'm like on the, I'm like on the the program, but I speak. And then she is like the big one, but, um, I'm trying to listen to her new book. Now. Um, I'm trying to get spiritual. You are the guru. Uh, the what am you I are the guru? That's the book. Is that her, her latest no, book? happy days? It's oh, like okay. about some- unlocking trauma. Kind of like what you're yeah. saying, like really yeah. going in and she was like drinking too much. And she would have these, mm-hmm. I mean, she had IBS and had these like total like stomach problems. And it was all because of this childhood trauma that she did not remember she was blocking out. And when she finally recovered that, like her health, everything changed. And she talks about rage. She calls it rage, the page where she's like, you just write for 20 minutes. You set an alarm on your phone. You don't look at your phone. You don't look at the time. And I almost think that's like a meditative thing. Like she's like, you think about whatever you're thinking, you write and it just looks what flows from you. So that's like the same kind of, I feel like I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Some people, like I would say as well, um, the way you tap into your intuition, I would say, what kind of a learner are you? Or were you a visual learner? Were you auditory? Um, mm. what, what kind of a, how did you learn? I memorized. I had a 4.2 GPA yeah. in high school. I couldn't tell you, I, I didn't learn it. I would, I would retain it and I would yeah. get it for the test and then it was gone. Yeah. I, I memorized everything. Yeah, so for me- <laughs> I I was very visual. So, you know, when I go into, when I listen, I, and now I go into do different visualizations. I ask for like images. Um, and I ask for guidance in the form of, um, yeah, images. And I mean, you can do this with a lot of different things. So you could be auditory where you hear, or you can write things out. Um, so for Gabby, I know that like writing is, is, a form of like channeling, um, her own like inner voice and it, yeah. it just whatever gets you in like a flow. Um, and then for me, I, I feel a lot in the body because, you know, I get those crazy chills. So I, I love a lot of like somatic work, but it is also really interesting too, because she mentions that, you know, she had like IBS and different things, in the health things in the body. And, I know people, it, when people talk about energy, it's not always received like as well as, as it should, but it's just, you know, metaphysics, but, um, it things and getting into Reiki things are thoughts and trauma can be held in your energetic field. And the last place it typically shows up is in the body. Mm. Uh, so when things are in the body, it's a good way to investigate deeper, uh, where is this coming from? You know, and even with trauma, sometimes it doesn't come up until you're really ready. And I know that she also wow. had a lot of addiction, um, things in her past and mm-hmm. it's can be like a, a quote unquote, like false refuge. Um, so it's a way to go away from the feelings, like you know, numb it, block it out. Yeah. You don't want to feel. So you have a, you take a shot, like you take a drink yeah. to, to numb yeah. out instead exactly. of going there. Like you're saying, like, feel the, the feeling, the bad feeling and feel it deeper. Don't block it out till it like, doesn't have as much like power anymore. Is that how it? Yeah. Yeah. And it also really deeply matters that there it's 
if it's verbalized with someone that it's held in like a safe and compassionate space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I hope to bring people. Um, I really want people to feel like they can come with any shame, any trauma, any guilt, like, and it be held with safety and mm-hmm. compassion. Um, cause you know, they say like shame dies when, um, when stories are told in safe places. Um, and it can be really isolating when you just feel it inside and you don't share it out loud. So it holds more power over you when you resist it and overworking overbooking, those can be subtle forms of resistance. So I think you don't have to feel it. Yeah. So you don't have to feel it. So I found the most freedom ever in feeling all the feelings. (laughs) I, I found the most freedom ever telling, like I struggled with bulimia for 10 years was going to my grave with it. Like when you said isolated, obviously it's an isolating thing. Nobody knew the shame of it. I was like, I'm not going to let anybody know that, you know, I finally stopped doing it. Thank God. Nobody found out. And then in writing this book, a writing coach was like, you have to tell your story. And yes, then everybody would know and look at me and like the shame, but I have felt lighter as, I mean, as soon as I wrote it, she didn't even have it back yet. I just wrote it out and was like, it's out. And I'm, I'm free. Like, I, I don't feel like I was carrying this burden. I wasn't even doing it anymore. Like, but it was just sitting there and now like your secrets set you free, like your secrets keep you sick and isolated with it. And it was hard to do, but like, not as like, not as hard as living with it. (laughs) Yeah. And it it wants to move. And then when it moves, you can help other women that are struggling with the same thing. So, you know, there's always going to be someone out there that can benefit from hearing your story and where you're at now. Um, So I think that's just really beautiful. I saw on your website, it says, don't come here to live small. And I was like, yes. So is it basically like when you meditate and you go inward, you'll find you you said it earlier, like your full potential and what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So when I, when I say like living small and living big, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily mean living big means living in a big mansion and being able to, (laughs) well, you deserve that. And that is all great. There's no judgment to that, but living big to me means living the biggest expression of your truest self. So are you, are you in partnerships with people that, um, really like uplift you. Are you living from a place of authenticity and love? Like, are your decisions made based on your internal worth instead of like external things, Mm -hmm. you know, are you living small to me really means kind of staying in like the boxes of our conditioning or staying in our like persona that we've built based on our upbringing, um, being socialized as a woman, so many different factors. So to me, living small is staying in the boxes of the shoulds and what everyone wants from you and living big is like breaking out of those and living big could look different to every single person, you know, Mm -hmm. and as long as it's self and internal sourced, um, and coming from a place of I think self-love and authenticity. So that's what living big means to me. That's what, like, when you're talking about the constraints, it's like what a mom should do. A mom yeah. should be with their kids. A mom should be, you know, yeah. anything that's not being a mom in that moment is not right. You're not being a mom. Like I have that should. And so putting that away and doing what I really feel like I'm called to do, which is this, then I'm following my purpose. And I should like, it shouldn't, the guilt shouldn't be there because I'm doing what I, like am called to do. I would say you're being a beautiful example as a mother by following that calling. And it's not so compartmentalized, right? You're not Mm -hmm. here. I am being a mom. And then here I am doing this. You are being such a beautiful example by following. They get to see their mom following a passion, helping people. How inspiring is that? Right. And then they can, other people can see you as a businesswoman being an amazing mom. And that means that's whatever definition is, is to you, but I wouldn't compartmentalize the errands. Like you are just, Mm -hmm. you are being yourself, you know, but you said just something just earlier. It's like, it's not what the external validation from people, like you're a great mom and you're a great, uh, brand or whatever I am, um, but how you feel about yourself. So it's like, even if people are like, you're saying it right now, you know, you're a great mom and, but it's about how you feel yeah. Like your internal thoughts and that I'm so critical of myself and 
you said too, like you talk about, you can help people heal themselves and no one else can heal you. You have to deepen your relationship with yourself yeah. to heal, to truly heal. I guess I haven't, I don't know. Like I'm happy with myself, but I still yeah. have that like criticism of myself. I think the, the question is who, and this is like, who yeah. is the judge and who is the witness, right? So if you ask yourself, you know, who are you performing to be a good mom for the shoulds when you say <laughs> shoulds, right? Instagram. Like, yeah. <laughs> who's the witness and who's the judge? So, Instagram is who I'm performing <laughs> to be a good mom. <laughs> Look what I did today. Look at all the people we went to the playground. <laughs> I'm a really good mom. Yeah. So yeah. I think if you just bring it back to you being the witness, you being the judge, that will be the best example for Instagram or the, the people <laughs> that are meant to come to you. You know, the more authentically you can show up, the people that you're meant to inspire will, will be there. That's what, like what I, when I get frustrated, like I can't grow on Instagram. And it's like, as long as you're hitting the people that are supposed to get your message, like you don't want to grow with just like random followers. Like you want the people in like that are supposed to hear your message to be there. And you shouldn't worry about like growth will come a hundred percent and the right growth will come. It's hard though. Cause like when you build something or build a business, you want to see it grow. And for me, like booking guests, it's validation for me. Like when I pitch like somebody like your mom, when I pitch yeah. Katie Couric, I don't yeah. want them to be like, well, this is going to be a waste of my time. She has no following. So I want it to grow so that I can be like, see, look, got people here. So do you want to come do my show? And if I don't, I feel like again, imposter syndrome that yeah. people are going to be like, why would I waste my time with this? You don't have a big following. Well, I think an answer that, you know, that I always ask myself and it's kind of like, it might be a frustrating answer, but I would say if, you know, even when for me, you know, I'm, I'm at the beginning of this career and for me, I also want to grow. Um, but if I'm not, or I'm staying stagnant, I kind of check in on where I need to grow. And sometimes I'll like hit like a little personal breakthrough and then a random slew, uh, like a fall oh. or like a opportunity will come in. Um, and it's really wow. interesting when you just take a little bit of a turn and view it as like maybe a mirror reflection, what power you can have, like what agency, um, and what movement actually starts to happen. So I, I, that's how I like to look at things, but I love it. And it, when you sit in meditation and you're open to those things, it's like, I, if an opportunity came, I'm too big. I don't even see it. I'm just like, yeah, moving. I'm a hundred miles an hour all the time and feel accomplished and validated when I'm that way. Look, look at all these things I did, but I'm probably missing like that. I should, I would be more validated and accomplished sitting in thought. But it's also not even about just like sitting down, really being open, like taking that with you throughout your day. Right. Um, so when you're moving so fast and you're like, Oh gosh, I have to go. And even when you're in the car, you know, I can quote unquote meditate in the car, you know, very safely, not with my eyes closed. But when you go into those states where you're trance. Just, yeah those trance states where you're more open to receiving and you're not in such a rush where you're like tensing up and you're moving through everything there's so much that you can there's so many signs that you can miss or there's so many those random thoughts of inspiration that just pop into your brain they're not there they're not random you know those are usually the ones that you you should follow and you should really listen to so i think that by moving so fast and i know this from direct experience mm-hmm. i've always moved very fast um you just miss so many like little little whispers and little thoughts and bursts of inspiration and opportunities. So yeah, I would say it doesn't have to be a full blown, like, okay, now you're sitting for 30 minutes. I think keeping your eyes peeled. And like you said, you didn't see it. So it's just layers of perception. Yeah. Uh, And I, I, yeah, I love geeking out about perception. Well, I found that like, um, so is it helpful to know when you go into trance? I, I also do that when I'm driving and I was yeah. like, this doesn't sound safe, but like if a car stops in front of me, I snap out of it, but I will go into deep thought when I'm driving. And I had a hypno, um, hypnotist on, and yeah. she was like, when you go into that trance state, she's like, when you're sleeping, she goes like, have you ever woken up in the middle of the night? And it's like, I got to write something down. I was like all yeah. the time. She's like, yeah. cause your mind is finally open. And then yeah. I was like, I do it when I come back from a run. It's like, where's my yeah. phone? I need to put all these thoughts down. She's like the, um, you go into trance, the cadence of your run. 
like done. You just, and I go somewhere else when I'm running, even if I have music on, I, so many thoughts when I come back from a run that I need to write down because my mind is just open to it. So just knowing when you do that, when you're driving, when you're like, that will make you more cognizant of like, maybe this is a time where I could be receptive to something. 100%. And I love hypnotherapy. I've, I've dabbled in it. And my Jungian psychology teacher was a hypnotherapist as well. And, um, a lot of the principles in, um, in my practice are based on hypnotherapy and visualization. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's knowing yourself because everyone's different. So it's really about that, like tuning into yourself and knowing when you do. So that's amazing that you know that. And that's very important to like go and write those things down afterwards and pay attention. Um, yeah, for me, it's, it's when I'm yeah singing or dancing and in a, in a flow. Um, so yeah, music has always been that for me. Music will always be a deep passion of mine. Um, and I think I, I connected so well because I would get into that state. And also for me, it was about empathy. Like music to me made me feel understood and like connected. And now I'm just doing something that's truer, truer to myself while still using music as like a tool. But like you knew what you were going to go pursue music and you went to USC to pursue music. Had you not had that moment of like, or maybe had we not had the pandemic, like you would have just continued on that path. Like I love music. This makes sense. And you're in a completely different trajectory now. (laughs) I do believe that you, you always will come find your calling at some point. And you can, by being busy and different, like distraction things, you, you can get maybe a little bit off track, but I do think like your soul will lead you to course correct. And it is really interesting because I remember, you know, when I was like two years into the music industry, I had this thought, maybe I should go to school again and do psychology, like get a master's. And maybe I should do that. I started like looking up programs and I don't even know why I did that. And then I was like, "Hmm, never mind. Keep going. I look back and I just see these little breadcrumbs and these little thoughts and, wow. and everything seems to make sense, you know? And I also think that I, I've been maybe doing my calling the whole way. This is just maybe more of official because I've always been that friend too, that people come to yeah. uh, and people seem to just randomly open up to me very fast. And so I think I've been carrying that energy and that with me. And this is just more official than it's been before in my life. So COVID actually found me, my calling as well. And I, I was now I'm like the most authentic, like I share everything like way too much sometimes, but I didn't share anything for so long Uh because the eating disorders was like weighing me down. I didn't the shame. So I went from that to, um, finding this calling during the pandemic, I was going live on Instagram, just really like bitching about my days. I'm like, what are we supposed to do with our kids? It's been three months. And so I'll just go live and be like, let's share like some things. Like people be like scavenger hunt, do this. And I was like, this is good. Pour a cocktail next Thursday. And I called it talks and margaritas. I was like, moms, it was something to look forward to. We'd have a cocktail because we couldn't be together and we would share. Then I started like booking guests. Like I had some of the real housewives come on and I just asked, And so I'm doing my little Instagram thing and a program director at um, WTOP news in DC called and gave me a show. And like if, and out of just me authentically going live and tell, like I never, what I I wasn't auditioning for a show. I didn't know there was a show because there wasn't, I know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and sharing just like the real struggles of like moms, eating disorder, body image, like anything like that. And just sharing it all so that somebody else won't feel alone or somebody that's still in it will feel seen and be like, okay, she got out of it. I know I'm supposed to be doing that, but yeah, pre pandemic, like if I hadn't gone on, like why I wouldn't have auditioned for this. Like I wouldn't have ever thought a show would be right. ever. It's crazy. <laughs> like when you- so, and there's, there's so much healing and sharing. It's like so yes. freeing for you, freeing for others. So I, it's, I almost giggle because it's, oh, of course, people started calling, of course, all these opportunities started coming to you. Of course you're on the docket with like Gabby Bernstein and all these, of course, because you're sharing and that helps others and while helping yourself at the same time. And what is more beautiful than that? But I do think that I would have been a lot longer of a road for me if I didn't have that forced 
stop. Yeah. Stop and ask yourself instead of, you know, responding to what everyone else thinks is good. What do you want? What are your value system? Let's go back to the drawing board. Like let's just, you know, paint the life that what matters to you. And yeah, a lot had to change. And sometimes that's really hard to look because change is not easy. So yeah, it's like being doing, even if you're struggling or you're like unfulfilled, it's like, at least, you know, this lifestyle. And it's like, it is what it is to like completely pivot like you did, but you could find something so much bigger, live big. And if somebody is listening and is inspired and wants to kind of deepen their spiritual side. Yeah. I think that you start with your fears, start with what scares you. And I think that you'll learn that you, that your fear is no match for you. It's no match for your dreams. And I think that once you start acknowledging your fears, instead of pushing them away, you'll realize that you can pass through them and break those barriers. And I think achieve whatever, whatever your heart desires. Kelly is back because I ended this thinking no one would care about this, but maybe somebody wants to care about this. What did you tell me, Miss Kelly? So I, you said that you were like, maybe I should do a reading in this. And I thought, and I was prepared just in case um, you wanted to. And oh, I want to. <laughs> I actually did. I pulled a card for you and did try to channel some messages actually for you. Oh my gosh. I'm goosebumps. Should I get a notebook? Yeah, I did do this beforehand just in case. If goosebumps on my whole body, <laughs> if the conversation went there, it's, it's coming. Well, I just thought it would be selfish to be like, why would someone do They would want their own, but like, maybe this can help. And, someone else. and you know, I, I did, I pulled, a, I pulled a card twice for you just to make sure it was the right one. And, you know, I shuffled and everything and I got the same card twice. I got the same damn card twice. What is it? So you actually got brothers of the rose. And this is a deck, a new deck by Rebecca Campbell. Um, And it says sacred masculine, honor, protection, support. And this is a card of sacred masculine. Like the feminine, the sacred masculine exists within each of us and brings us together. We're being called to balance both energies in us, the sun and the moon, the solar and the lunar. Perhaps it's what's meant to birth a new world. And it goes deeper, but, you know, we both, we have masculine and feminine energies within us and there's light and shadow sides of both. So I think that especially for women, um, there's so much healing in taking healthy and inspired action, right? Like not that overproducing overworked that, you know, that is, that's, that's kind of like the shadow of the masculine, right? So reeling it in and really connecting to that masculine energy in a really healthy way and balance, balancing the feminine, that receiving mode, that, you know, that flow. And um, I think, oh gosh, crazy chills again. It's really (laughs) about bringing those both into balance in like a really healthy way. That's what squats and margaritas is trying to find the balance, like between like I used to be just like a crazy obsessive workout person. And like, now I enjoy my life, move my body. I'm trying to find the balance between like my job and my kids. Like, yeah, Hey, this is, that's a good card. This is so cool. So you just meditate, you meditated before this and that just came to you. Yeah. And I, and I connected to you, to your higher self. And I asked for the message that you needed to hear today. Oh my gosh. I want, this is amazing. So wait, somebody can get that from you. Like they'll just, absolutely. You just talk to them like we did. And then you'll. Yeah. Yeah. Channel whatever. And I frame it as, um, you know, what is the message you need to receive to be your highest self and and in this moment. Um, and I, it is crazy that, you know, your whole messaging is around balance and, and this card is about, about balance between the masculine and feminine. And honestly, it's where a lot of my passion in my work is. Cause I feel really similar to you. I was in that masculine overdrive. And when I really connected deep into my feminine is when I, you know, my life, I started getting those intuitive hits. And when you lead your life with balance, all the things that you want, I think will come to you with more ease. So it's almost sounds counterproductive and, but that balance is so important. I didn't even know the masculine feminine thing. Can you explain that? Like, yeah, that inspired action. So you're taking action from a place, um, of inspiration and joy and creativity. Um, and then that 
feminine is, you know, that receptive mode, that intuitive, also the mystery and the flow. Um, and when you have both of those together, I think that you can do anything. Carl Jung talks about, you know, anima and animus. So for a woman, um, your animus is your like divine masculine spirit. So it's really about, and in my work, I do visualizations where you can connect to your inner masculine or inner animus. And, and then you actually meet that masculine version of yourself, have a relationship with that and build it in a healthy way to take inspired action in the world. I want like, I want more information on it. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> I, this is really in my mind. I'm like, I don't, you don't have time to do this, but like, yeah. this yeah. is so interesting to me. And then like, when you say astrology, so like astrological signs, like, you know, them all. So if I tell you what I am, you're, yeah, what's, me what I am. what's your, what's your top three? Do you have your- a guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, Virgo. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. I wish. I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, Sagittarius. Always on the move. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Sagittarius thing. I'm oh hypervigilant. Yeah. I can't stop. Oh my you know, gosh. And, and the one thing I will say about Sagittarius is they're so on the move and they're so positive and they have such uh, inspiration to learn more in life. That's why they're always moving. They just want to, they just want to learn. Uh, but with Sagittarius, the, you can sometimes skip over your emotions, right? It's almost like a rock skipping over water. So they're Ooh. moving so fast and water is usually like, you know, emotions. Um, so I would say to you as a Sagittarius to take time to, you know, listen and feel, and, um, there's enough time or your <laughs> mantra is I have <laughs> no time to rush. I have no time to rush. I love that. Oh my God. That's going to help so many other moms too. I have no time to rush. And I just say that to myself all day Yeah, and I write it on a mirror or something like I have to, I have no time to yeah. rush. Anytime you feel like you're rushing or you need to do this, I have no time to rush. I have no time to rush. And I think your perception of time will start to shift. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.